Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. In the modern church age, many people struggle with the concept of spiritual calling. And in today's message, we look closer at this issue with a message titled Kingdom Principles of Leadership, The Calling, from our series titled The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. The Lord. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for today. This is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in this day. We thank you for the celebration of life and victory today by your word. And we ask that today, Lord, that you would allow the spirit of the Lord to speak through me today. Lord, I want to decrease today and let you be increased that you might speak a word that your people need to hear today. Let the word that is spoken become revelation knowledge to everyone who has an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit would say today. Thank you, Father, that as that word becomes revelation, Lord, that grant to us wisdom to activate the word of God in our own personal lives, to apply it directly to our situations and circumstances. And Lord, as we do, then grant us the spirit of faith, Lord, to stand on the word as long as it takes to see the manifestation of your Holy Spirit and your will be brought to pass. We thank you that when we see a manifestation of you, Lord, that you will also grant to us compassion to share the word of God with those who need it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, I came... Today, Today, to hear hear. from God, God. amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bibles really quickly. Um, Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. We've been talking about the journey. Uh, That's been the series that we have been on for this majority of this year. And uh, we're on chapter 16 of this. Amen. And so we began the journey by talking about a passage of scripture from the book of 3 John, verse 2, which says, Beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And then we talked about the fact that prosperity means to be equipped for a journey. Prosperity does not mean that you have money coming out of your ears. Amen. 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 To prosper means that you are equipped fully for the journey that your life is on. Amen. And so if you are fully equipped for a journey, then you don't have a lack or a deficit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lack and deficit becomes a way of thinking. And when you begin thinking in lack and thinking in deficit, then you will always not have enough. Amen? Amen. Because your mindset is always going to see more than you can acquire. That's why billionaires are still trying to make money. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I was reading, there are 20 billionaires in the city of San Francisco. Yes, there are 20 billionaires inside the city of San Francisco. That does not include the billionaires that are outside of San Francisco, which would be Silicon Valley. (laughs) Palo Alto. Amen. Woodside. Amen. So, money is plenteous in this region. Amen. (laughs) But, money doesn't move when human hands grab it. In other words, there can be a plenteous amount of money in a region and the majority of the region not be experiencing that resource because the human being tends to grab more than it should have. When God led the children of Israel out of slavery, he led them into the wilderness and he said, I'm going to feed you by my own hands. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to cause something to come up out of the ground and you're going to call it manna because you don't know what else to call it. The word manna means what is it? (laughs) And so this manna would come up from the ground in the wilderness. They weren't farming. This manna would come up from the ground. They would scoop it up. And he said, only take one day's worth. Because if you take too much, it's going to rot. It's got a life expectancy of one day. Take it, eat it. If you take too much and you try to hoard it, it's going to 
rot in your bags, rot in your place. So take enough for today. And that principle is a principle, not, not concerning your money and your resources, but it's a principle concerning you understanding that you need to be one who is concerned with the well-being of others. Amen. Because if you grab more than your share, then what's going to happen to people who are still out trying to grab? There is not enough. Amen. Now, understand that when we're talking about prosperity in the kingdom of God, prosperity in the kingdom of God relates to how we are equipped and prepared, which means that sometimes you have to be willing to pull enough for others. Amen. It means you can't get comfortable. You have to be willing to be open to others. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous. Enough, enough to bless me, to bless me. And, you. and you. Come on. Now, Matthew 6 and 33 told us, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. In other words, when your prosperity means that you need to seek the kingdom. And when you seek the kingdom, God will prepare and provide all other things. I learned that I had to stop working for a living and start living for God. When I live for God, God opens doors for me in places I'm not supposed to be able to get to. And then I go and work as unto the Lord in that place. And when I work as unto that Lord, that place, my gifts make room for me and God brings me before great people. But I didn't go there in order to make the money. I went there in order to do and obey God. Amen. Come on. This is turning the kingdom over to where it's supposed to be. Amen. Because there's a world full of people hustling, trying to make money and money rots in your bag. Amen. I unfortunately had to counsel with someone who had a family member commit suicide. And this individual committed suicide, and it was a very, a very a extremely negative situation. But this family had no shortage of resources whatsoever. And this young person, again, 25 years old, this young person has resources from their parents, has completed a college degree, has opportunity in front of them, but still not satisfied. You know why? Because money doesn't change your life. So when you equate money and prosperity as the same thing, you find out very soon they don't complement each other. They're not real. Why would you chase that which is not? Because money will surely sprout itself wings and fly away toward heaven. That's a passage from the book of Proverbs. Amen. So listen. When we're talking about prosperity, we've moved in talking about the kingdom of God being first. We talked about our kingdom relationships with other people and how those relationships bless and benefit us and how we become a blessing to each other. And we talked about gifts and talents. And we've now got to a place where we're talking about one of the gifts that is part of the book of Romans chapter 12, which is indicating to us the types of gifts that don't come from the Holy Spirit, but they come to us by faith. And one of those is leading with diligence. Leadership is a gift that you don't get born with. Leadership is not a gift that you just have to have God come down out of heaven and speak to you. Leadership is not that kind of gift. Leadership is a gift that you operate by faith and you operate it by faith by two things, by being willing to be an influencer and number two, being willing to take responsibility. And if you're willing to take responsibility and you're willing to be an influencer, then you will lead. If you choose not to lead, you will still be an influencer because God has given every person the power of influence. Just ask Adam and Eve. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, it's hot in here, but I'm, I'm alert and ready. Amen. Come on. Leadership has those two aspects, influence and responsibility. 
A strong leader will understand their influence and take responsibility. Someone who is defaulting or trying to uh, not lead will not recognize their influence and take no responsibility. Amen? 1 Samuel. When you get there, say amen. amen. I told y'all to go there already, didn't I? Yeah. So say, how come pastor didn't go there when he asked us to go there? Come on. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Very curious words here. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Saul's not dead. Amen? Amen? Saul is very much alive. Why? How long will you mourn after Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. In other words, if Saul hears I'm going to anoint a new king while he's king, he's going to come after me and kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. Somebody say calling. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? In other words, if, a, if the prophet of Israel came to your town, something good was probably not going to happen. Verse four. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. Then he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was that when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. All right. So what has happened here is God says, there's a king over Israel who the people chose. He's not the king I chose. And I'm telling you, Samuel, as a prophet, he's got to go. Amen? And so Samuel's afraid because he knows you don't just have king go. So he says, oh, okay, well, what do you want me to do? The Lord gives him instruction. He goes to Jesse's house, and in Jesse's house he finds eight sons, seven of whom the Lord rejects. And we saw in verse 7 that it said, God doesn't pick by stature and God doesn't pick by what it looks like on the outside. God picks people to represent him based on their heart. Amen. 
Now, how do you know when your heart is right? That's the question. How do we know when our heart is right? We don't know when our heart is right unless God judges the heart. Amen. So when God looks at our hearts and God is examining us, the only way to know if your heart is right is if you're willing to yield yourself to God. Amen. See, there's a lot of people who want to serve God, but we're not willing to yield to God. And you start finding out where you are when you, or you, you find the moments when your yieldedness is withheld from God. When, you, when your desire becomes bigger than God's desire for you. When God gives you a, 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 a pathway and he shows you what you should do, but then you pull back from that way because you've made a decision that you want to go your way and not God's way. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I, I am willing, willing to, go to go God's way. Amen. Amen. Go to verse 17. Now we saw here, excuse me, chapter 17. Let's go to verse 28. Now what happens here, we saw that Samuel anointed David. He gave him what we call a calling. A calling. A calling is when you have something supernatural that happens in your life that indicates a pathway that you need to go. And you know it in your heart. Amen? So I remember, uh, I remember I was uh, young in the things of God and somebody found out, a guy I was working with found out I was a minister. He said, I know you're a minister, but are you called? <laughs> I said, uh, yes, I am a minister. And uh, what do you mean by called? He said, you know, do you have the calling? And I said, no, I'm asking you, what do you mean by the calling? And he kept saying, you know, it's the calling. And I kept saying, I don't know. Tell me what you mean by the calling. And he said, did God call you? I said, that answer, I say yes. But I really don't know what it means to have a calling. Because that was confusing to me. Because my experience with Christ was met with me then seeing in the book of Acts, excuse me, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, that he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So I thought that was the calling. See, I read in my Bible that the command, this commandment I give to you, that you love one another the way I loved you. And no greater love will a man have than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. I thought that was the calling. <laughs> I said, I'm thinking, did I miss it? Did I miss something there? I said, what's your ministry? I said, ministering the word. Praying for people. He said, no, no, what's your ministry? I said, no. And I kept getting confused by getting engaged with conversations with people that are asking me about the calling. And I started thinking, maybe this is not the calling. Maybe there is a greater calling. Maybe there's this bigger thing that I'm not seeing. But Lord, what is it? Where, how am I missing it? Well, I was missing it because I was supposed to miss it. <laughs> Amen. Come on. The reason I was missing it is because I did not, I became an atheist under an organized denomination, a highly organized denomination, very highly. My pastor was the president, the national president of the denomination. I, I, I was in that church getting those things. I was in Sunday schools learning things and arguing with teachers because I didn't agree because they were telling me something out of a book. I'm looking at the Bible, seeing something else. And I'm arguing with them from the time, I, as long as I can remember going to Sunday school, I can remember arguing with teachers. Not a criticism to them because they were faithful in teaching. What I'm trying to get at is this, is that you must understand that there is the religious tradition of what we call calling. 
And then there is the calling that comes on common people, everyday people, to do what God's called us to do. Amen? See, you have been born again into the kingdom of God and given a holy calling from God. Amen. You were called from the time you were saved to do certain things. Amen. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, you were born again to have a purpose. You were not born again just to wander through life and say, I wonder what I'm supposed to do. No, that's not God's will for our lives. Amen. Christians, we should not be lost. We should not be wondering. We should know that God has a holy calling and a presence in your life. Amen. And you should be confident enough in your calling to tell other people they have a calling. <laughs> Amen. If I was teaching a corporate class, I would have y'all get up and do jumping jacks. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Look at cha- chapter 17. And we go to verse 28. I'm going to tell you what happened here. After Jesse anoints David... What do you think happened? Did David become the king the next day? You know what happened the next day when he woke up? His daddy said, get back out there with them sheep. I know what the prophet told you, but you need to go back. You need to take care of those sheep. <laughs> Amen. But I'm, I, I was anointed to be king. Yes. And you need to rule over the sheep. <laughs> Amen. And that sounds funny, doesn't it? But guess what? He learned something out there. Because all of a sudden, God has spoke to his spirit, and he knows, man, God called me to be the king. So he started taking his rod and his staff, and he's out there doing things. Amen. He's shepherding the sheep with a mentality that he's going to be king. Amen. Listen, when I was in school, when I was going through high school, I struggled in high school because I saw no purpose for, for what I was learning. I was in English class. I said, why do I need to know Shakespeare? Shakespeare had been dead 300 years. What do I need his words for? (laughs) Shakespeare's words, they're not helping me order in a restaurant. His words aren't helping me do nothing. Amen? His words are, I I can't even quote Shakespeare to a girl. And she said, oh, oh, you see, quoting Shakespeare. No. I can find no purpose for the understanding of why am I reading books about Shakespeare? Why? We don't have any kings. Why am I reading King Lear when there's no king in the United States? (laughs) I'm struggling with why do I need to know this? And so because I don't understand the why, I can't connect. Amen? And they're teaching me math class. I happen to like math, but I didn't like that math because I don't, what, what, what? Sine and cosine? How does sine and cosine translate into counting my money? <laughs> I couldn't find the application, and because I couldn't find the application, I didn't want to go through the process. Amen. We struggle with going through processes we don't understand. <laughs> Which is why when we come up here and say, you need to study your word every day. Say, oh, you know, but I'll, I'll study it later because you don't understand that one day you're going to need the word of God to come up in your spirit when you're under pressure. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So David is prophesied to before he becomes a leader so that he understands everything he now needs to understand. He needs to absorb things based on the understanding I'm going to be king one day. I'm going to be king one day. So because when you understand where you're going, you start looking at things differently. Amen. When you understand where you're going and why you're going this route, you start to understand differently. And so what happens is he has to go back out, take care of the sheep. When he is now has a reputation that one day he's going to be the king. One day he ends up finding his way into Saul's palace. Because people noticed his gifts all of a sudden. And so he brings brought to Saul's palace. He has, starts having interactions with Saul, but he's still got to go back to the sheep when he's done. And a war breaks out. And when chapter 17, when this war breaks out, the Philistines, who are the adversaries of Israel, are set up. And so they are now in a valley, standing on one mountain on one side, Israel on the other side, and all the fighting must happen in the valley. 
So both armies are on the hillsides, and down in the valley, they send out the Philistines, a champion by the name of Goliath. We know the story, right? So when Goliath is out here, Goliath stands 40 days and says, send me a champion. I'll fight your champion, and then that's what we'll do. So the three oldest brothers who were introduced to that went before Samuel to be anointed king and God rejected each of them, the three of them end up in the army and they are gone out in the army to fight against Goliath. But all the armies, including these three brothers, are afraid to go face Goliath. And we read here in verse, let's go to verse 27. Let's start there. 17 verse 27. And it says, and the people answered David in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills the giant. And verse 28 picks up, says, now Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he went and said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few little sheep in the wilderness? Now, we think about David having this big herd of sheep, but apparently he only had a few. <laughs> so his brother who was rejected is angry with him saying, why are you down here? I know your heart. Look at the next, the next part of this. It says, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few little sheep? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. In other words, you came to be nosy. And you need to go back, little boy. <laughs> you need to go. See, when you step forward in leadership, one of the things that you're going to find is that everybody's not going to be happy. Amen. 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 Sometimes people close to you are not going to be happy that you step forward into leadership because sometimes you will take responsibility others haven't taken yet. So his brothers have been there. His brothers have heard Goliath calling. They did not find it in themselves, the boldness to go down there and say, I'll take him on. So when David starts asking, hey, what's going to happen? Uh, is something, is something, some benefit to going down there? They say, yeah, whoever goes down there is going to pay taxes and they get the king's daughter as a, as a wife. He's like, what? <laughs> no taxes and a wife? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, I might go down my own self. Amen. No taxes. I already got a wife, though. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Look at verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? In other words, this is, a, this is the same problem we're always having. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? How do you know you're called? You start knowing you're called when everybody else is looking at something and you look at it and you see a cause. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. You know you're called when everybody's looking at something. Everybody's standing around looking at something and you look at it and you don't just see something. You see a cause. Because when you see a cause, you'll be the one who takes responsibility for it. Amen. We were in Cuba. We were sitting at this, uh, we're on this missionary uh, trip. We went and meet, met with these pastors and we're sitting there. And we're listening to, we're in a meeting and the, and the pastors from Cuba are sharing with us. And, and I keep hearing something. And we're in there with another group, with another group and, and, the, and the leaders who took us there, they were all sitting around. And we're, so we're all sitting there and we're, we're, we're just listening. I'm thinking, is anybody else hearing this? I'm like, how come nobody's responding to the, this, what I'm hearing? And I hear a need being spoken and I'm listening and I'm like, how come nobody's saying anything? And it's bothering me so bad. It is eating me alive. I can't sit there any longer. And so, I'm, again, I'm not the leader of the group. But I'm sitting there and I can't take it anymore. And I finally speak up and say, X. And the people are like, oh, that's what we need. That's what we need. So they start expressing a need. The need that they expressed that nobody else was responding to. I took responsibility and spoke up. And when I spoke up, it turned out that we had in our pockets what they needed. But nobody spoke up. 
What do you do when you're that person who sees a cause and nobody else is speaking? What do you do? How do you deal with it? See, you've discovered a calling. See, callings don't always come with burning bushes. They don't always come with, with a lightning bolt coming from the sky. They don't always come with a voice. Derry Moten, I have called you. <laughs> they always come like that. Sometimes they call when you're minding your own business. And David, who's not even part of the army, looks up and says, is there not a cause? He goes on and says, this man is out here cursing our God. <laughs> He's talking crazy. And so when they find out, people go tell the story. They say, listen, David's out here talking about this. The king calls him and says, listen, well, what are you trying to do? He said, I'll go down there and I'll take care of this. I will take care of this problem for you, king. See, leadership is essential because leadership is what pulls people out of bad places. In the African-American community, one of the struggles that we have faced is a leadership challenge. See, in the African-American community, one of the things that began happening was when slavery was abolished in the United States, there rose up certain leaders who began guiding people. Those leaders began establishing colleges across the country. They began college establishing what we now refer to as historically black colleges. Tuskegee University, Fisk University, Howard. Those were started as a necessity of people leading others and educating them and bringing them together and saying, we're not gonna leave nobody behind. I read in one book where a man who had started one of the colleges, he said he went out and he was finding kids naked in the forest. And he would grab them and bring them, give them some clothing and bring them into the schools. Why? Because he understood the condition wasn't going to change unless somebody took responsibility. Amen. Conditions don't change on their own. Even the weather doesn't change on its own. <laughs> Amen. Things only change when someone takes responsibility. That's why the song we were singing, things change when I call you Jesus. Things change when I call your name. Why? Because Jesus is taking responsibility for those who are his own. Amen. Amen. Come on. Listen. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm talking about calling. Turn to your neighbor once again and say Calling. Calling. Ephesians chapter 4. See, what's important right now is that the church understand, as I mentioned, in the African-American community, we had an unraveling of leadership. Leadership in our, in our communities began in the church. But one of the things that happened in the church is that we began to be influenced by things outside of the church. And when we got influenced by things outside of the church, we started trying to emulate those things that we were being influenced by. Because remember, leadership is both responsibility and influence. And when we started trying to be influenced by things that we saw, they did, those things didn't work for us. And so because those things didn't work, it made a disconnect between people and the church. And all of a sudden, the church became less about how we came to be empowered and where we went to see something. Come on, y'all. Come on now. It became less about us being empowered and it became about where we went to see something. And once we started going to see, eventually we will see something else and stop going to church. Come on, y'all. Come on now. If church does not become the kingdom thing it's supposed to be, then what we do is we disconnect from it. And we have a generation of people right now that don't see church properly. And because they don't see church properly, they don't see any reason to go to church. And when they don't go to church, what ends up happening is they end up trying to do church without God in it. I want to go work for this company because they're doing good. Yeah, great. 
I was watching this, uh, this training video. And so the guy comes up on the video and his name flashes across the bottom and his title's underneath his name. It says, so-and-so product evangelist. Like, what? Product evangelist? <laughs> Means he's gonna go tell you the good news about his product. <laughs> Amen. It's his job to go tell the good news about the product and make sure you know all the benefits and, and the why you should have this product and everything else is inferior to what we have. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I'll say the company is Adobe Systems. Well. Adobe's got evangelists. <laughs> Amen. Another company, they have a story with all their products. They said, for every product you buy, this is what we're going to do for the community. We're giving a percentage of everything we earn, and we're doing good works in the community. I heard that somewhere before. Right. <laughs> you see, what's, what's happened is, is that the church has started to lose its sense of purpose. And because the church has lost its sense of purpose and what it should be to the world, the world has now said, we'll do it. Amen. Because see, the church became more about, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to be, I'm gonna be uh, critical Curtis today. Listen, the church became, at a certain point, a, pl a place where we went to hear a prosperity message so we could get rich. And if we didn't hear that message, then we turned it off. Amen. The church started becoming somewhere we went to hear, we went to hear good gospel music. And then when Snoop Dogg started giving gospel, then we said, well, we ain't got to go to church no more. Amen. Come on. Come on. Now, you know, if he's, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Snoop. No matter which way, if the gospel's preached, the gospel's preached. But what I'm saying is, is that if the church loses its compass about what it's supposed to do, somebody else is going to rise up and try to do it. Except they're going to try to do it without the cornerstone, which is Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone. Amen. 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 <laughs> so we have to have leaders in the church who understand the kingdom, who will raise and actually do what God has called us to do so that we actually fulfill God's purposes in the world. Because whether we believe it or not, here's a reality. For all those people who are being led away from church, hell is the destination. Amen. Right. Let's not forget about that issue. Amen. Right. We're here to bring salvation to lost souls. Amen. That's why when I was asked do I have a calling, I said, well, isn't the, isn't the preaching of the gospel the calling? <laughs> isn't, when, isn't winning people to Christ the calling? <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm called, I'm called with a holy calling. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of what? The calling with which you were called. Man. See, here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a piece of understanding for church. We have to understand. In church, because we began emulating things that weren't church, we began to create a structure inside the church that looks like corporate life. So what we began doing is we began having what's referred to as clergy and laity. Okay? We have clergy and laity, which means that we have people who are clergy, and the word clergy, the origin of that word is clerk. It is a person who is handling administrative affairs, a clerk. And then we had laity. And what began to happen is when we start going to church to see church, then what starts to happen is, is that we start depending on the clergy to give us something to see. And so what begins to happen is, is we begin having to entertain people 
rather than teach people. And a whole style became known as the style of ministry. That if you don't see that style, you ain't been to church. I went to a church. I preached at this church. The, the pastor heard me praying in another environment, asked me, he said, man, come preach that prayer at my church. I said, okay. I went to his church. I preached it. And man, it was a, oh man, it was a powerful word. It was, man, this word was, I did the altar call. It, there was probably about 150 people in there. 90 people were at the altar. It was a, it was a hit your soul word. Amen. Amen. Church was over. I done prayed. I'm sweating, praying for all these people. I laid hands on everyone. Oh, Jesus. I'm praying. I'm speaking words in the ears. I'm, I'm going, I'm, man, I'm just moving in the spirit. And I get done. <laughs> and this, <laughs> this lady, one of the mothers of the church, she brought me some water. And she brought it to me. And she said, she said, baby, one of these days, you're going to learn how to preach. <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, I done sweated my suit. I done pray, lay hands on all these people. I gave this word. And she said, it was a good, it was good, but you didn't preach it. In other words, you didn't deliver it in the proper methodology. I didn't lean back. I didn't, I didn't hoop it out. I didn't tell my story. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do it right. So forget the impact. It didn't have the uh. And there's nothing wrong with the uh. Make, I want to make it clear. I wanna, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying we can't lose sight of the word of God. Because of the tradition of men. We were having a conversation about this. Somebody was talking about the same issue. And I asked the guy, I said, I said, man, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I'm, you know, I'm visual. I said, man, can you imagine Jesus preaching like that? I said, can can you imagine Jesus preaching that way? And, And it stopped him in his tracks. And he had to think about it. He said, oh, man, okay. Yeah. I can't quite imagine Jesus leaning back. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. So your goal is to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called and not get lost in the rhetoric and not get lost in the dictates of men. Because there's some people who don't think they're worthy to do what God's called them to do because they don't have man qualifications. Amen. I had somebody very close to me, anointed had done some great things and always, was, was always feeling like they were a step behind everybody else because of the religious structure sending that message. Amen. 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 They, got, they got their master's degree in divinity and then told me, you know, I want to go back and do this. I said, well, why are you going backwards to do that? I said, well, because I didn't do that before. I'm going to go back and get. I said, but they, they, they told you didn't have to do that. Because you were equipped to go forward. So why are you going backwards? Because the religious system was saying you didn't get this. You have a hole in your thing. You have have a hole in something. See, the church, what we've done is religion has started to emulate. Nah, I'm not going there. Let's let's, uh, um, um, let's stay stay on track. Verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You want to understand the first part of your calling? I tell people this all the time. They say, I don't know my calling. I say, well, guess what? If you don't know what your calling is, I'd like you to start with this. Start walking in love. 
If you don't have a defined calling, if you didn't hear the voice, if you didn't have the burning bush, if none of that happened to you, then your first calling is to walk in love. <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you now have a calling. <laughs> Amen. Have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Have a walk worthy. In other words, live worthy of the calling with which you're called. Amen? Amen. How many of y'all can't walk in love? I want you to raise your hand. If you, can't, if you cannot walk in love. All right. I wish y'all could see what I could see in the back of the room. <laughs> Amen. If we struggle with love, it's because we're trying to love not in the calling with which we're called. See, when we struggle with love, it's because our flesh has gotten in the way. But you've been called with a holy calling. Yes. Amen. Romans 5 and 5 says it like this. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, which you were given. Amen. So when you run into hard to love people, you got to sick the Holy Ghost on them. <laughs> Sometimes you get into you get into it with people. You say, you know what? I, I, you know, I love you so much. I'm gonna let the Holy Ghost deal with you. <laughs> Amen. My wife told me that one day. I was like, what? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Y'all know what I still y'all want to know why I still got hair? You want you what the secret is? And my my wife having to lay hands on me when I go to sleep at night. She praying, praying over me and that hair just keeps on growing because of the anointing. <laughs> she said, oh, uh, she wait till I can fall asleep. She said, I got to pray for this one. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, let your anointing flow over him. <laughs> and then I, I wake up and my hair be strong, strong. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Charles got a lot of hair back there, too. Susan been laying hands on that head, huh? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, Uncle Maurice got a lot of hair, too. <laughs> Amen. All right. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. So first thing is walking in love. Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Second part of your calling, if you don't know what else to do, keep the unity of the Spirit in peace. As much as within your power, live peaceably with all men. Key word is as much as in your power. Amen. You got to do your share. Amen. Somebody came at me, they came at me so hard one day, I was like, oh. You know, you know somebody's really coming at you, and you're like, ooh. And you know, you start to get, you start, you start feel, first you start to feel the sweat. You feel that little sweat in your hair, like my head's getting hot, right? And then you start shaking, right? Ooh. I'm, I'm shaking because I'm holding on. <laughs> I'm holding on on the inside, I'm shaking. I'm trying to hold it together, right? <laughs> How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Hey, yeah, Lord. Woo, man. But I had to say, oh, no. Okay, no, I know what this is. I know what this is. I'm not falling for this. I'm not falling for this. And I got to get my calm back. Amen. And I realized one day God sent a thorn into my environment. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's keep moving here. All right, I'm, I'm about to flash back here. Verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. We've heard called four times in this passage. Before we ever get to talking about anything, the depth of this which starts getting into spiritual gifts. What am I getting at? I'm getting at the fact that you are called. See, David had this extreme thing happen to him, but that calling was not proven until he got into a moment where it was time for him to lead, to step into leadership, to take responsibility and to move into something. 
And so sometimes God has spoken a word over you and you have to accept that word and know that when it's time, you've got to step into what God has put on your heart as the burden. That when the burden arises, that you're ready to step into it. But that calls for you to walk in faith and not by sight. Amen. All right, let's go. Go to verse, uh, go to verse uh, 6. No, verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. So you know what else he's saying about your calling? He said your calling does not based on you and your personal characteristics because there's one God and there's a spirit that he sent and he's in you and through you. Amen. Amen. You are equipped for the calling you have on your life. Amen. You're equipped for doing mighty things. You're equipped for dealing with the things that you see need to be done around you. Amen. You are equipped for those things. We talked about last week how Joshua saw something. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, we can do this. And their leadership was rejected. But they didn't quit. You know why? Because it was a burden. It was a burden that they knew the promised land was there. It was a burden that they knew they had to do something about it. Amen? Listen. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Amen. You have been given a calling according to the grace that's on your life. When you look at your life and you see what God redeemed you from and how God redeemed you, how God saved you, what God has been leading you into, those things start to indicate the calling on your life. Most people do not have to stop what they're doing in order to find their calling. Your calling is usually found where you are. Amen. Amen. David was sent somewhere, and when he was sent there, he found his calling. Amen. He was minding his business. He didn't have to go find the calling. The calling found him. Amen. Sometimes we wake up and we realize our circumstances and our lives have led us to the calling God has on our life. Amen. Sometimes we find ourselves in environments, and we don't know how we got there. We just see that there's something there we're called to address. And when we go to address it, we realize God's anointing is on you to do it. Amen. And so when you understand God's anointing is on you all the time, then your call is to then respond with God's power and respond with God's grace and God's love and his mercy in whatever environment you're sent into. Everywhere, everywhere, every believer has a calling. If you think you don't know how a calling, you just look around and say, wait, God, who did you put around me? How do I spare this share, this love of God that you put in me? How do, I, how do I share my testimony with those who are around me? Amen. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I tried to get every one of my friends saved that night. <laughs> I gave my life to Jesus in Sacramento. Two days later, I'm back in Oakland. I called all my friends and said, hey, come on over. What, 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 we gonna go? I said, we're going to go somewhere. I lied to them. <laughs> I, I wasn't fully redeemed yet. I was still working on it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I got him to the house. I said, listen, everybody getting saved tonight. Get on your knees. We're, going, we're all sinners and we're going to get saved tonight. I said, man, you don't even believe in God. I do now. We're going to get saved tonight. <laughs> Amen. But I had a burden immediately for my friends. I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't know nothing. I had a post-it note with five scriptures written on it. That's all I had. That's all the equipping I got. And that night when they prayed for me, I received the Holy Spirit. That's all I had. I got a post-it note and the Holy Ghost. That's all I got. That's all I got. But I was willing to take responsibility. That as much as of an influence I was to leading people to wrong, I'm going to lead them in the right. As much stuff, as much havoc as I caused with my friends, as much, oh, like, we just sitting around having, doing nothing. I said, I got an idea. Oh, no. What we gonna, yeah. As much of that, now it's time to have an idea. Come on, we're going to get saved tonight. And you know what? They all got on their knees. They all said it. And God's looking at the hearts. And after that, God took me out of the environment. Took me away. But the word didn't change. Amen. They didn't know what they got that night, 
but God started working. God started doing something in their lives. But because I was willing to take the responsibility and because I was willing to allow God's calling on my life to be manifested immediately. See, sometimes people say, you know what? And I've, I, had to, had to, I had to repent about this. There was somebody who came to me once and they came to minister's training and they said, God is calling on me. And I, I was in the mindset at the time as a, we're going to get you into the training program. We're going to get you trained and then you're going to do. It's like, you know what? No, if God's called you, it starts now. You're going to do your training, but your ministry starts now. Amen. Your ministry starts immediately. You don't have to wait until a flame comes to you and speaks to you to have a calling. He said this, he said, I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Ignorance concerning spiritual gifts makes us delay what God has called us to do now for later. I'm going to wait till I'm developed. I'm going to wait till I'm ripe. You're ripe when you got saved. Amen. We don't want you to rot. Amen. Man told a story. He said a man came and gave his life to the Lord. And he asked the pastor what I need to do. The pastor told him, get into the, pro- get into the training program. Got into the training program. He started going, kept going, kept going. Three years later into his training, he said, now go win all your friends. He said, well, I've been here for three years. All my friends at church. No, your old friends before he said. So he started trying to find them and they done scattered. They done gone everywhere. They ain't there anymore. (laughs) That's why we get challenged in church because we forgot about the purpose. See, the first purpose you need to to recognize is God has called you to bring ministry, service, and the love of God to the people in your life. That's number one. Number one, bring the love of God to the people God supernaturally put in your life. If you make that a calling, I guarantee you everything else God's called you to do will be done. Amen. Everything else God's called you to do will be done. If you just put a focus on bringing the love of God to all the people God supernaturally placed in my life. What if every believer... Stop trying to be a prophet or apostle or something else and just said, you know what? I am going to bring the love of God as written in scripture to the people God has supernaturally put in my life. What if every Christian on the planet made that their focus for the next 90 days? What would happen in our world? What would happen if if we just said, you know what? The greatest love is to pray in intercession for others. (laughs) So I'm going to pray for my loved ones every day. I'm going to pray for the the oikos I have, the people who got supernatural. But every day I'm going to pray for them. And when the Holy Spirit leads me, I'm going to reach out to them. Amen. Amen. Listen. Ushers, would you guys do me a favor? There's post-it notes on your tables back there. If you would take one stack and put it, give one to every row. Everybody take a post-it note. Take one or two. Everybody take one. Take one or two. You can just give a stack and let them pass them down and peel off a few. Hopefully everybody has a pen or some kind of writing instrument. Hmm? Take, take, peel off one or two and pass them down. Keep passing them down the aisle. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you for a moment to take responsibility for something. And you're going to write it down. Because we should write a vision and make it plain. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take responsibility. I want you to, first of all, take responsibility for the people in your lives. God has put you in their lives to be a leader. And you don't become a leader by just telling people stuff. You become a kingdom leader by actually loving 
taking loving responsibility for them. So the very first thing I want you to do is write down the names of the three people who are closest to you that you need to be praying for. Write down three names. The three people closest to you that you need to be praying for. We're starting with three. You should have more. You should, in your mind, there should be more than that. But let's start with three. Amen. Because see, one of the things we do is we'll write down a, a, a list of 20 and we don't have time to get to them. The next thing I want you to write down, you're going to take responsible to pray for those three people. I want you to write down the cause that's on your heart. For some people, that cause might be poverty. Some people that cause might be homelessness. Some people that cause might be education. Some people that cause maybe any number of other things, but the things that you look out into the world and you see, and you can't get them out of your head, and you feel like something needs to be done. So you wrote down three people, you wrote down a cause. And the last thing I want you to write down is I want you to write down the word worship. The three people you're going to pray for, the cause you're going to become praying about. And worship is what you're going to do to thank God for what he's getting ready to do through you. Three names, one cause, one word, worship. God had me do this. And I wrote down three names. And like you, I wanted to write more. And God said, no, write three. So I wrote the three. So the three people I'm praying for. And there weren't three people I expected to write. I expected that I was going to write certain people. Then God told me, he said, no, that's your default. Who do you need to be praying for? Because see, when God told me only three, I wrote down Derry, <laughs> Michaela, Maya. I wrote my kids' names down. And he said, no, you're going to pray for them. He said, you write down the names of three people you need to pray for. And there's somebody I've been complaining about that the Lord made me write their name down. Nobody in the church. <laughs> Let y'all feel secure. Nobody in the church. But he made me write down three names of people who I need to take responsibility for and I need to be praying for. And so he made me add those names. And then he reminded me, he said, son, don't lose focus of the cause. Don't lose, don't, don't, let, your, don't let all the things around you make you lose focus on the cause. And so I had to rededicate myself to the cause. And then he said, now, he said, once you do that, now I want you to worship me. I want you to begin worshiping me in spirit and in truth. He said, and in your worship, I'll reveal to you everything you need to know about those other things. See, I'm, uh, God had me tie this together with leadership because leadership is that very thing that's missing in the church. What's missing in the church is our, our willingness to take responsibility for people, causes, and worship. And it's the season right now where the world needs us to take responsibility for those things because worship has to become more than what has been made right now. Worship has to get past our, our commitment to sing for however many minutes at the beginning of service. Worship has to become changed into what it's supposed to be. 
has to be a heart relationship between us and God in which we are telling God who we believe him to be and he showers down his presence in the middle of it. Our prayer life must become one that we are committed to praying on a regular basis for others. And when we find our own struggles and our own challenges becoming great, that our default is not to come back and try to take care of ourselves. Our default is to then sow into other people's lives. Because when you give, it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, men shall give into your bosom. My most blessed seasons of life is when God led me to be an intercessor. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep in mind what cause God has laid on your heart because we don't want to live our lives and not have addressed Goliath. Amen. Is there not a cause? See, we can ignore Goliath, but eventually Goliath is going to leave that valley and come into your valley. <laughs> he likes taking ground. Amen. Listen, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. You, you are blessed. Are blessed. You, have you have such, such a, gift a gift from God, from God. On, your life. on your life. You, you are, blessed are blessed to be a blessing. Be a blessing. You, you have a gift, have a gift to, lead, to lead, to take responsibility to be an influence. You have God's presence filling your life and you will shine like lights in the darkness. You are able to do miraculous things because you serve a miraculous God who's in you and through you and all over you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Let's stand on our feet and let's... Thank you for listening to today's message, which is part 16 of our series titled The Journey, a message titled The Calling. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. So God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.